What is up, kangaroo chasers, and welcome to the final chase. That's what I might call this episode, chasing for the last time, maybe something like that. I'm Michael Carboni. This is 152 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast, and as I say there, could be me on this pod for the last time. Certainly something I've been thinking about for a little while now, and those close to me have heard me talk about it. Um, but I haven't been too vocal about it here. Um, and you know what? I'm going to talk about it more at the end because really I want this episode. It's the last for the year, last of the season, Series 4. been doing this for a while. Um, I want it to be a recap. I want to talk about some things. You know, we had a World Cup this year, some International Rugby League, finally. So I'm going to talk about takeaways. I want to see where, really where the conversation takes me. And of course, it's an old school episode. So it's me sitting in a room talking to myself. Hopefully you guys are listening. Um, I'm so grateful to you guys and girls who are listening. Uh, we've built such an incredible community, um, you know, expansionist international rugby league fans. Um, some of you just finding out about the game overseas or, you know, understanding now that there is more to rugby league than the NRL to super league. Um, that there are a lot of pockets around the world that do play our great game, that do watch, enjoy our great game. And, um, a lot of you in those pockets in this community listening. So I'm, I'm so grateful that you're a part of it. And thank you so much. Um, I'm going to say some things today. I'm going to talk about a few things to see where my where it goes, really. I haven't really planned. I don't normally plan my episodes. Um, so I'm just going to talk. And if you agree, that's awesome. If you disagree, that's cool. Let me know. Either way, uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Chasing Roos. And I'm on Twitter, which I'm really loving at the moment, Twitter at Chasing Roos Pod. That's at Chasing Roos Pod if you want to speak to me. Not to be confused with at Chasing Roos on Twitter, which is Phil Brown. That's our shop, chasingroos.com account. So yeah, make sure you're tagging me or DMing me at Chasing Roos Pod if you want to talk to me. Be a lot to talk about. Um, what a way to end 2022 with a Rugby League World Cup. With some International Rugby League, full stop, finally. You know, it's been years. Um, we started this podcast four or so years ago, pretty much off the back of like Tonga, you know, igniting the flame of International Rugby League, you know, and finally a new nation that could that could beat the big three. And... Um, to me, I jumped on the back of that and with some mates and we said, you know, there's potential here. Uh, International Rugby League has potential. No one's talking about it. Let's be the guys that, that are here talking about it as it grows. And um, there was momentum, I've got to say, it in, in the early days. There was definite momentum. It felt like finally, and for people like a lot of people in this community, people like me that have been following our sport for so long and just were... You know, we've always been sort of attracted to the international side of things for some reason. I, I still can't pinpoint it. But we've there's never been momentum until that Tonga moment. But of course that all stopped, right? And um, it wasn't our fault for once, you know. Tony Collins says, you know, rugby league never misses an opportunity to miss an opportunity. And, and But I felt, and usually that's the case, but I feel like this time it really wasn't our fault. You know, COVID, lockdowns, there was a couple of years where there was no international travel, nothing. You know, it was it was impossible to play International Rugby League. And it put the handbrake on pretty seriously, you know. There were competitions, you know, domestic competitions happening overseas. You know, we heard about Euro 13s and we heard about NARLs and all these sorts of things and, and none of it happened. Um, there was just nothing. None of the momentum was able to be taken advantage of. And it's been a real shame. It's been tough, you know, covering that for a bulk of this podcast life. Um, but I feel like we have a chance again. So we've just had a World Cup. Samoa have done a Tonga. And the flame could be reignited. But there's a lot of work to do, don't get me wrong. So yeah, we had a World Cup. We finally had a World Cup and it was Okay. Um, I don't know what we we're expecting, you know, for it to, like I don't know what we we're expecting for it to be more than okay. Um, and what I, well, the reason I say that is that we're kind of 
starting again. Every World Cup, we're starting again. We're not building foundations and growing. I think it's important that we do. Um, there's a lot of work to be done from this World Cup. Uh, there were some good things or some bad things or some okay things. I think off the bat, I think we'll start, we'll talk about England first because they've got work to do. Um, England impressed me, don't get me wrong. They did really well. The men's side did well. The women's side were impressive as well. They did better than I expected. I didn't expect them to come close um, to the big two. Um, and England, I certainly didn't expect, I didn't even expect them to get in the top four, to be honest with you, in the men men's side of things. So they impressed me. But... I think in hindsight, you know, we look at, you know, what was the big thing that people spoke about this World Cup that was considered to be a failure? And I think it was probably crowds. So we saw some great crowds for England. The finals crowds were great. Um, but, you know, we saw some, uh, there was some okay-ish crowds elsewhere. And the, the, but to be honest, the real disappointing thing for me crowd-wise was normally when I think about an English sport crowd, I, th- I think about singing and chanting and just for the whole game, and there didn't seem to be that. That really surprised me, and I'm surprised no one else really spoke too much about that. Um, but the talk was that maybe ticketing was too expensive, et cetera, et cetera. I, I just think there's a, you know, we do ask a lot as a sport of our heartland fans in England, so that M62 corridor, we do ask a lot. You know, they're buying season tickets and memberships and jerseys and now World Cup tickets and et cetera, et cetera. So I think in hindsight, if we had our time again, and look, John Dutton and co, they did an incredible job. And, and let's let's make no mistake, you know, that we've got some good government funding, which was around, you know, promoting sport, et cetera, and opportunities in the north of England. So a, a majority of the World Cup had to be in that area. Um but it would have been nice if we could spread it out a little bit more. Um, perhaps tickets in in the Heartlands could have been cheaper or there could have been something happening. But um, it wasn't to be, and in hindsight, it may have, could have been better. But, hey, they, they still did a great job, I believe. Um, there's always room for improvement. And like I said, we're laying foundations for the next one. Um, but other than that, you know, England... The other thing too was, you know, if England won the World Cup or at least made the grand final, maybe it would have been different. I don't think, I don't know, I don't know if I was expecting, but look, maybe I was expecting, I thought maybe this World Cup would be an opportunity to put English Rugby League back on the map in England, at home for them. Um, and, you know, you can't write the script, you know, it has to have, you, you can't plan everything. I mean, if England won, they would, the men's side that is, they would have had a moment in the sun, I'm sure, and they could have springboarded off that, but it was not to be. Um, the wheelchair side won, which was great. And look, I think wheelchair rugby league surprised everyone. It, it captured, I think, the heart of at least Northern England. Um, it was entertaining. It was explosive. It surprised a lot of people. Uh, it was really good. Um, but it's not going to save English rugby league. It's not going to put English rugby league on the map. You know, it's certainly a positive. It's a great asset. You know, it could, you know, generate some some income for the sport um, and it's it's fantastic um, but English Rugby League still not on the map in the UK and there's a lot of work that they need to do I think first of all um, from a national team perspective you know they do not compete at the highest level without NRL talent uh, they need players who are in the NRL have experience in the NRL have been around the NRL um, to be able to mix it with the best. And that's not unique to England, right? Because Australia can't do it without NRL talent, obviously. New Zealand can't do it without NRL talent. Tonga and Samoa can't do it without NRL talent. Our top teams, you know, are our top teams because of the NRL. Um, it's a bit of a curse for us. It's also, you know... <laughs> One of the greatest things, you know, the NRL is probably the biggest uh, and best, definitely the best rugby competition in the world, either code. Um, the athletes are supreme, you know, they have a lot of money. Uh, there's the, the, there's good wages for the players, you know, for in, in terms of Australian sport anyway, or, or rugby, 
you know, both codes. Um, so, yeah, obviously all the best players are coming from the NRL. The gap is widening between the NRL and the Super League. And that's the big shame. That's where the work needs to be done. I think England, like, Super League needs to be as good as the NRL. Um, you know, it needs to, or the gap needs to get closer, and it's just widening. Um, you can see it. It's, and it's it's because of a whole host of things, and we're going to see it in a couple of months' time when St. Helens come to, to play the Panthers in the World Club Challenge, but... I mean, I'm expecting Panthers to shellac them um, unless they really don't take it seriously, which is a possibility. The Panthers might just really treat it as a training session, in which case Saints might do okay. But it's no disrespect, Saints are a good side, but it's just the Super League is... I'm sorry, Super League fans, but it's nowhere near the NRL. Um, but we need to get it there. And I know there's all these reforms and... There's a lot that can be done, and I'm not going to solve the problems in this podcast, but um, England needs to be better. They need to think bigger. They need to think beyond M62. Like, it's great. We've got a heartland. There are some hardcore fans there, um, but we need to think bigger. Um, we need London in top grade. You know, we need maybe a Newcastle, maybe a Midlands. We need to think about introducing a, you know, a, an Irish side or a Welsh side to the top flight as well. Um, I'm going to start saying things that people are like, you're fucking crazy, Cubs. But anyway, I'm going to keep saying them. We need to think bigger. Um, and we need to cut domestic games in favour for international games. So less loop fixtures and more England playing other nations at big stadiums around the country. There's, like I said, there's a lot more that goes into this, but top level, that's what we need. Less domestic games. I'm sorry, clubs. The clubs are going to hate it in the short term, but trust me, the long-term gain will be worth it. Less domestic games, more international games featuring England. It's super important for the Super League, for Rugby League in England. It's really important. They need to generate interest, which generates income, which makes the league stronger. All right, it's those three things. It's super important. It's not fucking rocket science. Um, it's it's also easier said than done, so I'm not discounting that, but um, I know there's reforms I'm not sure from what I'm hearing that the reforms are the right way to go. Like nothing appears to be happening next year. But even after that, it's kind of like, yeah, we're going to make it a bit easier for some of the top clubs, you know, in the short term. But what's the long-term plan? I don't know. Look, I know I must admit I don't know all of it either. So I'm waffling on here. But England has to do better. Europe has to do better. Europe in general has to do better. Europe has a lot of catching up to do. And I think our biggest opportunity here is France, Right. Because we've got a World Cup in 25. French Rugby League is having a bit of a renaissance. Catalans are doing incredibly well in the Super League. Um, there are French players that are very talented. We've got some great French players coming through. And they did a little bit better this World Cup than they did last. It's really important that they do even better next time, you know, at home, at their home World Cup. Um, it's a shame that Toulouse aren't in the Super League this year. But Catalans will go from strength to strength, I hope. Um, we really need to think big again here with France. So I've said this on the podcast before. We need a second strong European competition. That has to be France. Right now, France is the only option, the easiest route. Um, whether it's Elite One, whether it's a French Super League, whether it's something else, whatever it is, we need to build up France. So you got Super League trying to catch up to the NRL and be as good as the NRL. And meanwhile, you've got the French League trying to catch up to Super League so we can have two strong European leagues. What will eventually happen if we plan it right? And this could take years. It will take a lot of planning, a lot of money. And again, I can't go into all the, I'm not going to go into details here, but at me, tweet at me if you've got ideas. But what will happen is eventually French clubs will pull out of the English system and go into the French system. We need a French league and an English league that are as strong as each other, where the champions play each other at the end of the year, and England and France play each other three times a year. 
we then have other nations feeding through to those pathways. So I've already mentioned you'll have like an Irish club, a Welsh club in the Super League, for example. You could have clubs from elsewhere in the French League. It doesn't have to just be France. You could have a Barcelona there or, dare I say, an Italian club or something like that one day if you wanted to. But importantly, the pathways are there for, you know, you got domestic activity in Greece, domestic activities back in Italy, finally. Um, you know, you've got domestic activity in the Netherlands, in Germany, in the Czech Republic, in Serbia, you know, feed the pathways through, similar to what we see in the Pacific to the NRL, feed that through to the two European leagues. That's how big and bold England, France, Europe needs to be thinking right now. Because um, they're going backwards <laughs> and they can't do that forever. Um, other takeaways from the World Cup. Look, it was great. Um, I was really impressed by Lebanon at this World Cup. I said it a few times with Mike on the, um, the, the World Cup Chasers pod that we did for the Raw Sports. Um, but Lebanon played a different style, and I must admit, that rugby union coach style, um, it was good. It was just good to see di a, a difference. You know, we, we often see, you know, everyone trying to play like the Melbourne Storm, and then everyone sort of plays the same, and no one has any, no clubs or nations have their own character or personality or style, and it was good to see some some differences you know we even saw the greeks trying to pull off things and stuff like that it was fantastic but lebanon in particular were impressive and i think you know we need to figure out how we use lebanon as a tool for international rugby league as well so they've got obviously very strong heritage here in australia um there is a domestic league there but you know lebanon shouldn't just appear every four years at a world cup like we should be getting like you know maybe lebanon versus france is a thing we can do. Uh, or maybe Lebanon versus Fiji, you know, is a thing we can do in Sydney. Uh, I don't know, but, you know, we'll talk about that more. We can expand more on that. But I think Lebanon, there is potential there and we're just not using it. So we need to think about that. Um, I think Brazil and Jamaica, incredible to see the Brazilian women uh, and the Jamaican men at the World Cup for the first time. Um, I think as a sport, Brazil and Jamaica have an opportunity to come up together. So we've just seen, and we can't give up on these nations. Like I want, you know, in three and four World Cups time to, for like Brazil and Jamaica to be doing what like Japan now do in the, in the Rugby World Cup or what, you know, Croatia are currently doing in the Football World Cup. Like Croatia four World Cups ago were like Australian Socceroos level. And now, you know, they're in the final eight at time of recording. Um, they could take it all out. I don't, I don't know if they will. I don't know much about football, but they seem to be doing well. Where was I? Brazil and Jamaica, they need to come up together. Men's and women's, they need to be playing each other domestically, internationally. They need to grow together somehow. I don't know. There's, there's lots to unpack here and lots to think about. But that's just something that springs to mind. You know, Brazil have just won the um, the South American Cup, which means they'll be playing in the Americas for a spot at the next World Cup. This is the men's. Uh, they just beat Chile in the final, which is pretty cool. Um, really cool. I mean, let's talk about that. Brazil beat Chile at the South American Cup um, in the grand final. So they beat Chile, then Chile beat Colombia, and then Brazil beat Chile again. And Brazil go through to now face USA, Canada and Jamaica uh, for two spots. There's two spots at the next World Cup. There's a 50-50 chance that Brazil men could be there next time round. Uh, it's going to be a challenge, you know. I think Canada and Jamaica are looking good. USA have some things to say, although they're sort of fighting themselves at the moment. Let's talk about that later. We'll leave that to, the, to my boys at the Rugby League in America podcast. But um, – these are nations that can grow together and have a lot of potential. Brazil beating Chile was really interesting because it was hard. It's hard. It's always hard to predict what's going to happen at tournaments like that because there's a big there's a big difference in rugby league between domestic and heritage, right? Which happen, we see it all the time. We know it. People that listen to this know it. But I mean, domestic Brazil beat domestic Chile, and we didn't know what to expect. Um, 
Whereas if you're in Australia, Heritage Brazil would probably lose against Heritage Chile, let's be honest, because there's more Chileans here. Uh, they've been probably more exposed to rugby league for longer here, um, so they'd win here. And I think um, I think Brazil will see that. Like you see like, you know, they're fundraising at the moment to get a couple of, you know, their, their best female players over to the NRLW or into this system, you know, which is a good idea. And they'll probably do the same with the men because we need to get them to a point where their domestic players are stronger than their heritage players kind of thing is what I'm, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say with this whole Chile-Brazil thing. Um, that is, there is potential there. I see a lot of potential in Brazil because it's a big nation, very athletic people. Not all of them can be, you know, playing football, soccer, um, there's different body sizes, shapes, and it's a big country. So I think there's potential in Brazil. Um, and if you give them, if we can support them somehow and help them grow, there's going to be some good domestic talent coming there. Jamaica as well, natural athletes, bring them up together. Um, that's going to be an interesting pool next year. I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. We'll talk about next year soon, but you know, the Americas next year, you'll have now USA, Canada, Jamaica, and Brazil battling for two World Cup spots, um, which is really cool. Um, but they're calling for change as well there, right? So uh, actually, Troy Grant, I hope you're listening because I was meaning to have a conversation with you. I hadn't had a chance to. But I was speaking to some of the guys at USARL and Canada Rugby League, and they wanted me to speak to you about you know, potentially, because typically these events, like that America's Cup, will go over like three or four days and there's a lot of games in a short period of time. So they want to expand that out. They actually want to expand that over a week or two so that they can have some, some good rest time between those games. And I know that there's issues with money and et cetera, et cetera. That's why we condense it. But this is one of the things we need to look at next year. Anyway, I'm going way off topic. What am I talking about? World Cup. What else have we learned from the World Cup? Um, I think we learned that Samoa have kind of saved International Rugby League this year anyway, because if you asked me at the start of this World Cup, what is the worst case scenario for International Rugby League for the, that would hinder the growth of International Rugby League? And that would be the Kangaroos winning. All right, simple as that. I made a bet with Big T, I owe him a sandwich. Um... He, the bet was kangaroos versus the rest. I had the field, I lost. But the kangaroos winning over and over again is not good for International Rugby League. But, you know, if the kangaroos beat England in the grand final, if they beat New Zealand in the grand final, even if they beat Tonga in the grand final, it kind of, you know, would have been same, same, whatever. But Samoa getting there, Samoa getting there was bigger than Australia winning. Like Samoa getting there was the story. And it wasn't, it, it made it a case that, you know, Australia winning and not being good for international rugby league, that was irrelevant. It didn't matter that Australia won because Samoa got there. And I couldn't have predicted that or foreseen that. It was incredible. The scenes from Samoans around the world was incredible here in Sydney, in Newcastle, in Brisbane, uh, in Auckland, uh, in America, like they were, like in Samoa, <laughs> how can we forget in Opia? You know, it was incredible. And what was really funny was when when the Samoan team landed in Sydney, because that's where most of them are from, living, they're all Panthers players, right? When they landed in Sydney, coming home, there were like thousands of people at the airport there, waiting for them, cheering, going nuts. They had a party. It was on the news. I saw it. Um, I didn't see anything on the news anywhere, on TikTok, nothing. I didn't see anything when the World Cup champion kangaroos landed home. There was nothing. <laughs> in the same city, in Sydney, there was nothing. But Samoa, for Samoa, it was there. And um, it was just incredible. They truly saved the International Rugby League and we need to build off that momentum. We need to springboard off that momentum. And I'll talk about this a little bit later. I want to talk about what should happen next year and one of those things that should happen and what we should springboard is 
It's something I'm calling Pacific Origin. So I'm going to mention that here. I'm going to drop that here. We'll talk about that later. Samoa saved rugby league. Um, international rugby league, that is. It was great to see. Uh, but the big thing, the big takeaway from that World Cup is we're still chasing the kangaroos. And we're certainly chasing the Jillaroos. Um, even without playing international rugby league for a couple of years, Australia is still the best. Um, sorry, England fans. If you made it, you would have lost. Uh, Australia is still the best. Um, and I'll try and be positive, right? The biggest potential here, the biggest opportunity we have here, the momentum that we need to run with is that brand, right? The kangaroos, the Australian kangaroos should and could be a big brand in world sport. Now, I can hear there's people out there laughing, calling me an idiot. I get it. I'm not saying they are a big brand in sport. I'm saying they could be. This is a this is a team that is constantly, mostly easily, the best in class. And it's not like it's not like they're not like these are supreme athletes. These are these are incredible athletes to watch. They're great at what they do. And they are constantly the best for decades at a time. Um, like if the All Blacks are a massive brand worldwide, then the Kangaroos should be too. Uh, it's just a shame the All Blacks. You know, it's a cooler name. You know, black jerseys are cooler. You know, Maldives are cooler. I don't know. <laughs> it's just there's 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 a reason. There's a lot of reasons probably why the All Blacks brand is much bigger. But the Kangaroos brand, we need to grow it. It's an opportunity, it's potential. And the Kangaroos need to play. Um, whether they're playing, look, I get it. You know, you, once the NRL's finished, Sydney doesn't give a fuck. It's unfortunate. You're not going to fill Homebush Stadium for Kangaroos, Kiwis in Sydney. But, you know, they can play in Newcastle, they'll fill that. They can play in Townsville, they can play, like they can play, they should be playing and they should be playing overseas too. I'll talk more about that in a sec. There's a lot I've got to talk about in a sec. But um, Kangaroos, mate, I can't keep saying it enough. It's a big brand. It should be a big brand. It's an opportunity. We need to take it. We need to take it. Um, Next takeaway is um, the Pacific. All right, we're talking about how Europe have work to do. Mate, the Pacific are fucking going hard. Um, we saw the Samoans, the Tongans, like it went all the way back home. You know, it's not just we're not just talking heritage stuff here. We're talking, we're talking from the islands. Uh, we're talking rugby league really being the sport of this whole Pacific region. Um, if it's not already, it's close, and it will be. Um, and people argue with me on this. Occasionally, a lot of people agree with me on this actually, but I do like the arguments and the the, the discussions, I should say. Um, but my big takeaway is, we always say like, is it up to the NRL to grow international rugby league? And it's technically not, but I think in this case now in the Pacific in this region, yeah, it is. It's up to Australia. It's up to the NRL. It's up to the ARL. It's up to the New Zealand rugby league even to pull resources together and help grow the game in the Pacific. So this means, you know, supporting Papua New Guinea, Australia playing them at a, at full strength every year, um, making sure the pathways are strong. We see pathways from Kaviti Silktails from Fiji. We see path, uh, pathways from PNG Hunters, you know, and we're seeing fruit from those pathways. We need to keep that going. We need pathways in Samoa, in Tonga, Cook Islands, etc. Um, but not just those clubs and pathways. We need junior development. Like really, we need to be supporting we need to be supporting, you know, Papua New Guinea, for example, with better facilities, better training at younger ages. You know, in a similar way to how we do, I remember growing up and, you know, I was in the Parramatta, played in the Parramatta district and you get selected for Parramatta juniors and you'd, you'd, you know, go away and be part of these combine sort of style 
training sessions and you'd play against the Panthers juniors, the Bulldogs juniors, et cetera, et cetera. We could be doing that in Papua New Guinea and Fiji and Tonga and Samoa. Um, yeah, there's money, there's time, there's resources, um, but there's potential. These are markets that, you know, they're not rich markets, but they're markets where rugby league can grow. It's it's definitely a widely untapped player pool, and you know if if you can if you can build these pathways properly with proper junior support, the way I'm talking about, then, mate, you want more clubs? You want a Perth team? You want an extra New Zealand team? You want a you want an Adelaide team? You want a Central Coast team? Like fuck, bring them on. We're gonna have talent. There's gonna be talent coming through. It's in the NRL's best interest to bring these talented athletes through. We're missing out on a lot that are going unnoticed. Um, there's opportunities for these kids to come through and, and you know, not only make money for themselves but for their, their families, to be on a, such a great stage. <sighs> you can tell I'm passionate about this, right? And don't worry, look, I'm, again, I keep coming back to it. There's not a lot of, you know, they're not the richest nations in the world, some of these Pacific nations. But culturally, they're some of the richest culturally. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the World Cup, right? What we have, what we have, you know, we're not as big as, we're never going to be as big as a football World Cup, the soccer World Cup that's going on right now. We know that, right? You know, we're different to the Rugby World Cup, the Cricket World Cup. We're different to all of that. But what we have is really special. Culturally, you know, what we have from Fiji and Samoa and Tonga, being so good at our sport, it's really nice. And to bring that culture through, I think that is the unique thing that can elevate our sport on a world stage. You know, seeing Samoans in Utah, give a shit. Seeing The Rock, NRL Roast, how good are you, mate? Hopefully you're listening, brother. I haven't spoke to you in a while, but the Roasty nagged The Rock for a week more until he finally gave the Samoan, the Toa Samoa side a shout-out. Like, that was incredible. Like, people care. And our culture, this, these cultures are our ticket. It's in the best interests of the NRL, the ARL, the NZRL. Australia, New Zealand, it's in, it's in our best interest as a sport. Um, and the tough part is, I spoke earlier about Europe needing to catch up and having a lot of work to do. Pacific's moving at a faster rate as well. Like you're not catching up to the point that they're at now, you're catching up to where they're going to be, um, which is potentially huge. Um. Fuck, I love talking to myself. Last takeaway before I go into what some things that I think need to happen next year. Last takeaway is fucking origin eligibility, man. I, people keep asking me about this. I keep getting in conversations about it. I'm kind of like, I'm not sick of hearing about it or talking about it. Um, but like, fuck, just can we just not fucking stop talking about origin eligibility when it comes to international eligibility? Like, can we just clear this up now and forever? Like, Origin, Origin's great. We love Origin. It's fantastic. It, it's unique. It's a unique thing about our sport. Uh, it's made against made. It's state against state. It's fantastic. But if we're going to use Origin as an excuse to hurt or hinder International Rugby League in any way, then fuck that. We're idiots. As a sport, we are fucking idiots if we're going to do that. I've said this time and time again, and again, I'm very passionate about this, but Origin, mate, Origin is great, but it's reached its pinnacle. Like, you, there's no more air left in that balloon. Like, you, you cannot fit any more money and passion and whatever into Origin. It is as big as it can ever fucking be, right, in my opinion. Whereas international rugby league has a lot of potential. It's an area of our game that has a lot of potential for growth. And if we start saying that, hey, Brian To'o, if you want to play for New South Wales, you can't play for Samoa, right? Then that's fucked. We can't do that. Origin has nothing to do. Origin is its own separate 
cash cow fucking mad event that we have. Great asset that we have. It's fantastic. Rugby league fans love Origin the world over. It's not just New South Wales and Queensland. It's a separate thing. Treat it separate. Let it be as big and as powerful as it needs to be. But don't hurt International Rugby League. If you are of Samoan heritage living in St Mary's and you want to play for New South Wales and Samoa, then I think you should be able to. And you can. By rules, you can. But I also think that if you, someone like Victor Radley, for example, born in the eastern suburbs with English heritage, if you're good enough to play Origin for New South Wales, but you want to play for England as well, then you should be able to. Where we need to draw the line is the eligibility rules for both. Like you just need to be eligible for both. So for example, Joey Manu, you can't play for New South Wales like because you're not eligible. It's got nothing to do with New Zealand. It's got nothing to do with international. You're, you're a Kiwi, you're born over there, played your first footy over there, you moved over here when you're older, not eligible. The Cheese can't play for Queensland. You know, Sam Burgess couldn't have played for New South Wales. Benji Marshall couldn't have played for New South Wales or Queensland. The origin eligibility rules are fine. The international eligibility rules are fine. They have nothing to do with each other. Keep it separate. It's not even part of the conversation. Stop having the conversation. End scene. Okay. I've got that off my chest again. As if I'm not fucking right, guys, honestly. Argue with me about anything you want, but I am right about that. I don't care what anyone says. Um, that's my takeaway on Origin. Now, things we need to do next year. Um, people keep talking about 10-year plans, uh, and and I'm sure it's in the works. It has been in the works for a long time. Troy Grant doing a great job trying to get there. It is difficult because, look... I'm going to be honest with you here. We kind of do have a 10-year plan in place, right? And we're talking when it comes to we're talking confederations. So I mentioned earlier the Americas um the Americas Championship, you know, you've got the MEA Middle East Africa Championship, you've got the Euros happening next year. Um trying to see what's going on with like the Pacific or the you know, Asia Pacific Championship. It's hard, it's difficult. Um and that's where the difficulty lies, right? So we can say well, we know we're going to have Euros every year or every two years or whatever, and we're going to have a World Cup in 25 and 29 and whatever, and we, we it's all mapped out. But it's the stuff in between that isn't really up to the IRL. It's up to the individual playing nations to say, hey, um, New Zealand, we're going to go play England this year. Uh, hey, um, Lebanon, we're going to go play France this year. Like stuff like that, right? So that's where the tricky part is, and that's where a lot of people who call for, oh, where's the 10-year plan? What's going on with the 10-year plan? That's what these people don't understand, right? There's a plan. There's a few gaps that need to be filled. People aren't filling the gaps. That's how I see it. Um, but 10 years aside, let's look at next year, right? Some things that I want to see next year. Is Australia, and I touched on this, Australia needs to play Papua New Guinea every fucking year in Port Moresby. And I know what you're going to say, yeah, they kind of do, right? But I'm, it's not a, I can't be a Prime Minister's 13. I said this in the World Cup podcast. Papua New Guinea, the Kumuls and the Orchids, they deserve better from us. They deserve respect from Australia. And I get that there's government funding that goes into the Prime Minister's 13 game, but there can still be government funding going into kangaroos versus kumuls right if you want to talk about international relationships at a diplomatic level whatever that's fine still do that but give our best against their best and i know people say yeah australia's going to win by 50 they probably will but you're going to get more as more justin Ollams come through and xavier Coates come through and guys like that like Papua new guinea is getting better they nearly fucking beat tonga they should have beat tonga and I don't care who you are. Like, that was a great effort. And as some of these nations, like, it's really funny. Like, Papua New Guinea, they'll throw everything they have at Tonga, but then they play Australia and they get a bit scared. You know, Tonga's, uh, other nations are the same. Like, you know, you saw Lebanon throw everything at New Zealand, but then they play Australia and they're a bit scared. Like, it's just this, it's just this fear factor that some of the nations need to overcome. And if P&G 
can play a, if a full strength PNG can play a full strength Australia every year, then I'm telling you that gap is going to get smaller. They're going to get less and less scared of playing Australia, and Papua New Guinea is going to win a World Cup in the next few World Cups. Right? I'm saying some fucking crazy things, but like, and <sighs> the problem is I'm saying things. The things that need to happen for these things that I'm saying to happen aren't going to happen and then I'm going to look like an idiot in fucking 10 years' time, but whatever, I don't care. If we, if, if we can help PNG, they will win a World Cup in a few World Cup time. But yeah, Australia versus PNG in Port Moresby every year, sell it out every year, make it a thing, great. Now next year, I think, and I'm really disappointed in this, right? We haven't seen the Kangaroos for a while. They come out, blow everyone away at the World Cup. Fucking great. Great to watch. What a team. Like, respect to the Kangaroos who, you know, I'm so un-Australian for wanting them to lose all the time, but massive respect to them. But Australia, you need to sort your shit out. Like, fuck Kangaroos, back to this brand. Like, you, you can't have a brand if you don't play games. The Kangaroos need to announce some games. The Kangaroos need to announce some games. And that, what... <laughs> After they play full-strength PNG next year, they need an Ashes tour. All right, we've t- we're talking about who's England going to play. You know, can they play? Will New Zealand go over there? Will Samoa go over there? Guys, Australia needs to go over there. England did not get to play Australia at this World Cup. They haven't played in a while. It's a big thing. All right, you want England Rugby League on the map. England needs to play internationals. Give them the best. Australia needs to go over there for an Ashes series at the end of next season, play England three times at three big stadiums, one in the north, one in the middle, one in the south in London, and see what happens. England could win a series against Australia at home. Um, Australia could shellack them in all three games. It could be close. I don't know. But they'll pack out three stadiums. They'll generate some money. They'll generate some interest. They'll help grow the Kangaroos brand. They'll help put Rugby League back on the map in England. So can we sort that shit out, please? Can the Kangaroos go for an Ashes tour over to England? Great. And I know what you think. There's a couple of things that you're probably saying, right? So England should play France. Yes, they should. They're playing mid-year. That's going to happen. May that happen every year. In the same way that Australia needs to give PNG some respect, England needs to give France some respect. And England might shellac France, but France is getting better. And they played actually quite well against England for most of that game when they played. It was really good to see. But in time, they will get closer. And France deserved that respect from England. So that needs to happen every year. And it looks like it will be. Um, there's a Euros next year. So you're going to have you know top six or so nations in Europe playing each other. There's a big call for England to be a part of that. I agree to a point, but I think England and like it's either going to be England or not. Like there's no English nights. It's going to be England or not. But I rather see the Kangaroos tour England than England be a part of a Euros next year. Make Euros the year after, or make it like a stronger Euros, like the top four or top three go through, and England is a part of a stronger. Euros the following season. Okay, what else? Now back here, back in back in the Southern Hemisphere. So what's happening with New Zealand, etc., when Australia's touring England? I touched on this earlier. I called it Pacific Origin. Origin for us as a sport, like everyone who follows rugby league knows from what Origin is, but it means a lot, right? The reason Origin became such a big deal is because all of a sudden it wasn't about where you play rugby league, it was about where you're from. So a bit of history for some listeners outside of Australia here, but before State of Origin, New South Wales used to play Queensland and it was the best players from the New South Wales competition versus the best players from the Queensland competition. This was before the ARL, right, before the NRL, before it was all one big thing. And the problem was the New South Wales Rugby League was richer than the Queensland Rugby League, therefore all the best players played in the New South Wales Rugby League, including all the best Queensland players. 
It's a little bit like England now. All the best English players play in the NRL. Okay, so New South Wales used to shellac Queensland every year. But once they made it origin, you played where you were from, not where you, what competition you were part of, all of a sudden, Queensland were winning. And that's where this Queensland passion and pride comes from. And we have a similar thing going on at international level, right? Heritage, right? Samoa, Tonga, Lebanon, Italy, Greece, like all these places, Jamaica, right? So Pacific origin. I want to see Samoa play Tonga every year three times. Um, I want to see it. The passion is there. It has potential to be as big a state of origin from a passion perspective, from a entertainment perspective, the quality of football, um, from a commercial perspective. You can take this game to the islands. You can play it in Sydney, Brisbane, Auckland. You can play it in in fucking San Francisco or Utah. Um, it has potential. Pacific origin, Tonga versus Samoa, potential. Now, I know a lot of people say... I've, I've had this conversation, right? And people say, oh, yeah, you got to add Fiji and you got to add PNG and you got to add Cook Islands. And, like, to be honest, perfect world, yeah, but you can't. And I'll tell you why. Commercially, not as big, right? Because Samoa versus Cook Islands, Samoa is going to wipe the floor with them. And there's just no commercial viability. No one's going to care. It needs to be the only way Pacific Origin works right now, commercially, is Tonga versus Samoa. The only one I'd add to that, and you can't call it Pacific Origin anymore, probably, maybe you can, but I'd add New Zealand to that. So whilst the Kangaroos are on tour playing Ashes in England next year, you have a series between New Zealand, Samoa, and Tonga. And you're playing games across New Zealand, back in the islands, you can play you can play in Sydney or Brisbane or Newcastle or even Melbourne as well because there's a lot of Kiwi and obviously Islander expats in those places so it works commercially right but that's a, that's a big series and I think if you do that on an annual basis you got another origin on your hands commercially, NRL. Like, it's a no-fucking-brainer. Like, I don't know why I need to keep saying stuff like this. It's a no-brainer commercially. It's huge. And maybe we need to play less domestic games so we can have more international games, like I was saying about the Super League. Maybe. You know, a little bit of short-term pain for a lot of long-term gain. So that's what I want to see next year. Um, and you're probably asking, okay, what about Fiji? What about PNG? Well, And this is where it gets tricky because, you know, there's not a lot of money for these sort of sides to be touring. But in a perfect world, you know, maybe we've got PNG playing France because they're pretty much on the same level, really. And they need to grow together, similar to, you know, nations like Brazil and Jamaica. Like these are nations at a higher level that need to grow together. So maybe PNG can go to France and tour. Or maybe France can come to PNG and tour. Uh, Fiji, maybe they can play Lebanon. We were talking before, how do we use Lebanon, you know, as a, as a tool for International Rugby League? Maybe Fiji can play Lebanon. Maybe Fiji can play South Africa. I know that sounds crazy, right? But South Africa, doing some good things, right? They've, they've just beaten Poland. Um, they beat, who they beat earlier in the year? They, they smashed Brazil earlier in the year. But South Africa, that. Like, I'll tell you right now, South Africa, I think, will make the next World Cup, right? They will be at the next World Cup. The things they're doing domestically, they're growing domestically. They've got a strong connection with their heritage side here in Australia as well, based out of mainly Perth, but playing a lot of games in Queensland and New South Wales. South Africa are growing. So let's see, South Africa, Fiji, you know, there's a rugby union sort of rivalry there too when it comes to sevens. Like, let's see if they can do something. Um... You know, maybe maybe Lebanon can play France. You know, maybe maybe Jamaica can come over and play someone. You know, maybe Jamaica can go and play Wales or, or Greece. Imagine Greece and Jamaica toured each other. I'm starting to go crazy here, guys. There's a lot that can happen next year. But it's from the top down, right? 
there's a lot happening domestically at lower levels and we love to see it. It's what we talk about a lot on this podcast. Uh, but it needs to start from the top. We need, I think, next year, if we had an Ashes, Australia going to England, and we had that Pacific origin with New Zealand, Tonga, Samoa, like, poof, that's how you fucking build momentum after a World Cup, the year after a World Cup. And then you keep doing things like that. You have the Euros the year after, and then maybe Australia can play New Zealand in a series a year after, and you have your Pacific origin, you invite Papua New Guinea in with Tonga and Samoa, and then you have your Americas and your and your Middle East Africas and, you know, we've got another World Cup in 25. My 40th birthday, let's go. There's a lot of potential. And I'm not saying these are the only ways, right? There's a thousand ways we can do it. They just need to do it. They need to build momentum. They need to grow. We need to be on the same page. You hear in America, we need to be on the same page. USARL, California, all you guys, same page. I'm waffling on for too long because it could be the last time. <laughs> All the way back to the start. Um, I've done enough waffling. So I want to talk about uh, this potentially being my final episode of Chasing Kangaroos. And I've, um, I've spoken about this at length with those close to me. Um, I haven't really spoken about it. I don't think I've spoken about it at all on the show or been, yeah, I haven't really said much about it, but, you know, we started this show four years ago, um, maybe five, closer to five. It was on the way towards this World Cup and the goal was always like, let's get to the World Cup, like let's, you know, do it, do what we can to grow the sport and talk about it and let's get to the World Cup and then we'll call it a day, we had fun. And, you know, a year ago was that point, you know, the World Cup was meant to be a year ago and the last year has been tough. Um, not only because, you know, covering International Rugby League is, is tricky, it's hard. Uh, there's not always a lot of positives and I'll try and keep as positive as we can but also be honest. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of negatives, there's a lot that doesn't happen that should um, and there's a lot of, like, egos. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of great people. I've made some really good friends. Um, and you all know who you are. But there's also, you know, I've got friends that I've made who also hate other friends that I've made in this community. You know, there's a lot of people that don't like each other because of those egos, right? And um, I'm getting off track again, as I always do. I'm waffling again. But, you know, it is difficult. I guess what I'm trying to say is it is difficult to cover. It can be very tiring. And there are times when... I love this game so much and I love international footy in particular so much, but it can get tiring and you can sort of go, fuck, why am I doing this when it's destined for failure? And it's not. <laughs> it's not destined for failure. There's a lot of potential. There's a lot of momentum. There's a lot we can do. There's a lot of good people. Um, but that's just how it feels sometimes when you're in the trenches and it gets very tiring saps a lot of energy and the thing with me over the last year as well um i've been uh i changed jobs it's been a year and a half actually since, since i changed jobs anyone that cares to follow follow me on linkedin um you'll see what i'm doing but what we're doing is really cool it's in the property space i'm I have a lot of responsibility um and it's a lot of fun and i love it it's taking a lot of my time and attention so what's happening for me is i've got time and attention in my real job and my fa my young family, et cetera, et cetera. And I just think, do I have the time to commit to this podcast, to Chasing Kangaroos anymore? And that's what's got me thinking about, you know, this being my last show, my last episode ever of Chasing Kangaroos. And it's sad. It's a tough decision. Um, but I feel like we've achieved a lot. I feel like we've built a great community. And that's, and that's what makes it hard as well. And I think I pretty much made my decision and I wrapped it up and I, I spoke to, you know, we've obviously got um, Dustin and Jimmy doing the, the Rugby League in America podcast, thanks to Nate Gladden as well. And obviously they want to continue and they'll continue going on with stuff. And um, I've had Mike and, and Big T and Mary Kay helping me with a lot of things on this side of the world. And I've asked them if they'd like to continue on the show without me. Um, which potentially they might want to do. Um, and I'm okay with that. I, I kind of want to see the community continue. Um, 
and that's what I'd love. So, you know, but then my mind changed again because I had a few, there was a, a couple of days where I just kept getting messages. It was like the world knew. I don't know. It was really weird. But I had messages like someone telling me that, um, you know, that they discovered me or discovered this podcast during lockdown and it was a really tough time in their life and the podcast helped them get through that tough time. I think, fuck, man, that's crazy to think that, to have that sort of impact. And then, you know, and then I had another message from someone saying, hey, someone, a listener from, from Paris saying, hey, um, you know, I really like, I love your show. I've been listening for a long time. Um, I want to start, you know, a French-speaking rugby league podcast covering rugby league in, in French. Can you give me some advice? I start getting messages like that and I just go, you know what, like, is it worth all the negative shit and, you know, you know, is it worth the pain? Because there's a lot of fun there too, but we're all obviously making a difference and we're building this community. And I feel like I look back over the last few years and I feel like we've done a part in making noise for the game, making, you know, some small domestic clubs around the world, you know, a little bit more famous, helping like network and bring people together. And I genuinely believe that there are some relationships and matches and like there's a whole bunch of things that probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the podcast, for the, for Chasing Kangaroos. I'm so proud of that. So so this is where I've landed. <laughs> I'm sorry to draw it out. I don't think it, this is my last show. I don't think it is. I might wake up tomorrow and go, oh, you know what, that was the last one. But I think next year what I'd like to do is more episodes kind of like this. Um, not where I just ramble about a hundred different things, but maybe I ramble about one thing, like pick a specific point, like say, okay, how do we, you know, how do we grow the game in France or what do we, you know, what do we do in Lebanon or how does Pacific origin work or, you know, what does the USA need to do to become a thing in rugby league? And just have topics like that and really dive deep and tell you what I'm thinking and get your thoughts. And it's just me going back to basics, man. Me in a room talking to myself and hopefully you guys are listening. And I kind of feel like that's what I want to do with the next season of Chasing Kangaroos. Um, like I said, I'm a busy guy, so I can do that at my own pace. I don't have to worry about other people's schedules. And I can still get out what I think is some interesting content. Man, maybe I can throw in some golden points from around the world. I know you guys love that as well. But that's kind of where I want to take it next year. And of course, Rugby League in America is still here. And, you know, the offer still stands to Mike and Mary Kay and Big T if they want to do more of a chasers style, chasing or something completely different about growing the game of Rugby League. Um, I'd love to have like a European version of the Rugby League in America podcast if anyone's out there that wants to be part of it, like, let me know. I'd love to do like a, like a Pacifica version, you know, like a, a, a Samoa, Tonga, Māori, like just, I don't know, get some different voices doing their own thing. I'd love to do that. Um, I guess what I'm saying is I'm, tr I'm, I'm still here. I still want to be here and do it in some capacity and I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to continue this. But I love the community and it's about more than me. So, you know, same thing with the socials. Like if you're, a lot of you guys, a lot of, um, a lot of clubs and, and national administrators around the world tag me and stuff. And that's great. Keep tagging me. I want to keep sharing. But the less, like I said, I'm time, I'm, I don't mean to sound like a dick. I'm so time poor. So I don't, it's hard for me to be like keeping the socials going as well. So like, make it easier because I'll share it. Like the community is yours to all of you. The community is yours. If, you know, if there's a game in Italy, then take photos, send me the scores and, you know, tell me a, f a fun anecdote from the story. Like, hey, this kid in this photo, it was his first game of rugby league ever and he scored three tries or he got in a fight or whatever. Like, tell me that story and we'll, po we'll, we'll post that. Just make it easy. Um, 
and I think that's what I want from next year. So I'm going to keep doing it this way, I think. I'm interested to hear your thoughts as well. Reach out to me at Chasing Roos Pod on Twitter or at Chasing Roos on Facebook and Instagram. Reach out. Tell me what you think. But are you interested in me talking to myself, deep diving about things that rugby league needs to do to be better? Um, you know, I'll, do you want to see interviews again? Maybe I'll get back to that. I don't know. But do you want to help in some way? You know, this is your community, guys. And um, we're going into our fifth season. And let's just keep having fun and keep growing this sport. I've rambled a lot, guys. I'm pretty sure this has gone for an hour. Um, I might be a little bit insane, maybe. And I've opened up a little bit to you guys, too. So I hope that's cool. And uh, sorry for teasing you with the title, Chasing for the Last Time. <laughs> but as always, I'm Michael Carboni. Thanks for chasing kangaroos with me this year. We'll see you soon.